welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Good morning. It's certainly good to uh, be able to be back together here with you. Uh, the Lord has uh, blessed our time while we were away, and uh, we're able to able to get into several of our our supporting churches and also a couple of new churches as well and uh, see family and um, lots of uh, lots of good things like that so so the time went well and um, we are glad to be back home and uh, be able to, to be here with you uh, this morning uh, I want to preach a message this morning that uh, preached quite several times while we were away uh, visiting our, our churches there, uh, one of the one of the reasons that it really speaks to the whole missionary endeavor, and uh, really on a personal level, it's not just missions in the kind of a global scale or where you uh, think of sending um, missionaries or church planters to uh, foreign fields, but uh, the actual um, missionary endeavor that happens right in the local church, uh, our individual responsibilities uh, concerning the gospel the Lord has given us. And, um, and so this morning, we'll come back to, some of you may remember, uh, preached through Second uh, Corinthians, to Corinthians uh, uh, several years ago. Uh, so uh, coming back to... Uh, to, to a section in uh, chapter five uh, from that uh, from that series, uh, and so the title you see there on the screen, the ambassadors for Christ. Uh, I remember back uh, several years now when President Trump was uh, elected uh, in the U.S. president, that he uh, nominated uh, Mrs. Lana Marks to be uh, the ambassador to South Africa. And Mrs. Marks was uh, born in East London, and, uh, but she had moved to the U.S. in Florida, and she had a successful uh, ladies' handbag, uh, designer handbag uh, business. And so I guess that qualifies you to be an ambassador. But uh, uh, it seems like in the in the U.S. a lot of the ambassador appointees are more political than they are uh, actual uh, skill and diplomatic or experience. Uh, also, I remember even back before that, when President Obama was elected, uh, several of his nominees were heavily criticized because they really weren't qualified or didn't have any experience. Or, and uh, the one, uh, the one pointy to Argentina hadn't even uh, visited the, the country before. Uh, so uh, there were some questions about, you know, the, uh, the qualifications. Well, this morning we're going to look at uh, a much higher calling, uh, higher than being an ambassador to another country from the U.S. or somewhere, but uh, being an ambassador here on earth uh, from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that's quite the, quite the calling, isn't it? Uh, let's look at our passage this morning in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And just begin in verse 17, just a little bit of context there. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. 
The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to Your Word this morning, I pray that You would help us as we think about these words that You've given us through the writings of Paul to this church at Corinth. And... And to us, Lord, that have become your children, this admonition to uh, that we might be ambassadors uh, for Christ. I pray that you would help us um, not only understand and to receive your word, but to obey it, to apply it to our lives by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you notice in this context, uh, he's talking to believers and he in verse 17 talks about us as being in Christ and he's saying that those that in Christ we are the ones that have experienced this change of life this new new creation in Christ Jesus we have been regenerated as the biblical word that we would use to talk about this new life. You remember Jesus talking to Nicodemus in John 3. He said, you must be born again. Or you must be born from above. You must have this new life. Because without the new birth, there is no reconciliation unto God. Many people I see want to be right with God. Uh, they want to be forgiven of their sins, and they hope that one day when they die, they'll, they'll go to heaven and uh, be with God, but uh, they're missing the new birth. They've never come to God to receive new life in Him, although they many times are religious, and maybe they've even prayed a prayer or walked down an aisle to, to pray a prayer, but... Um, their life, by their life is is evident token that there is no genuine uh, saving relationship with the Lord, and so this morning, as you as we look at this passage, you will notice that one of the things that Paul emphasizes is reconciliation, as to being being right with God. Uh, verse eighteen, he, he speaks of two two acts of God. Uh, first of all. It's God who reconciles us. And secondly, it's God who gives us the ministry of reconciliation. And so we have these two, uh, these two truths here that Paul is going to emphasize in this passage. And uh, reconciliation is, is high in his thinking as well. In the three verses, verse 18, 19, and 20, he uses this word five different times or forms of this word reconciliation. And so we come, first of all, to this truth that uh, there, there is a necessity for reconciliation. We, we must be reconciled unto God. We, we understand um, 
reconciliation or the need for it. We, we see it all around us on the horizontal level, in our human level. We're in need of being reconciled on an ongoing basis because on a regular basis we offend each other, don't we? We, we can say things or do things or not do things that, uh, that irritate, whether it be in, the, in the, the home with husband and wife or parents and children or between the siblings. There's always occasion to, uh, to cause an offense or to irritate or to do things that, that uh, cause a division. And so we know the need for this reconciliation uh, to, to forgive, to ask for forgiveness, uh, to, to come back together on this horizontal leather, level. There's the two that need to come together to be reconciled to each other, to mend uh, whatever hurts or to, to forgive any wrongs. And uh, that that's, uh, happens should be happening in the church as well, in the, the family of God. There's on an ongoing basis, we should be forgiving one another, uh, building, building up the body, removing any uh, hurts and uh, problems that we might have with, with someone. Uh, so we talk about conflict resolution, you know, resolving, resolving conflicts. I remember um, uh, reading from Warren Wearsby about a man who came into his office one day, and uh, this man had been having trouble in his marriage, and he, he came and, and to speak to uh, Dr. Wearsby, and he said, he said, Pastor, uh, my wife and I need to be recanceled. <laughs> he, he looked at him. He said, "You mean you need to be reconciled?" Oh yeah, yeah. That's what we we need. That well, Dr. we writes that as he thought about that later, what the man had said, he he realized that is really what needs to happen. They need to be recanceled. They need to cancel out the the sins and the hurts and, and, and uh, that they've been committed to each other over the years that hadn't been forgiven. And as you think about it, that's what the Lord does for us. He cancels out our debt, doesn't He? Our sin debt. When we come to Him in faith, trusting in Christ, our debt our, that's against us because of our sin is canceled. And we're forgiven. And we can have uh, this relationship with Him. And so, on the vertical level then, uh, there is this uh, need to be reconciled unto God. It's not the same as the horizontal reconciliation where the two must come together and, and, and you know, make right. Uh, with God, it's us who must be reconciled unto Him. We're the ones that have the problem. God doesn't need to be reconciled unto us. We must be reconciled unto Him. And it's because of sin that there is a need for reconciliation. Our sin, the sin of mankind, uh, even our, our state in which we are brought into this earth as humans, we, we inherit, we, we receive uh, a sin nature. It goes all the way back to, to Adam in the garden where sin first came into the world. And that sin is, uh, is put to our account, you could say. And because that's who we are as, as, as mankind, we sin. 
uh, from from the beginning, from little. <laughs> you know, you think of little little children as little angels, but uh, they're really little sinners. You know, they just sin. Uh, that's that's who they are. And because of that, uh, we have a problem with God. There there is a uh, there there is a break in the fellowship that God had originally given to Adam and Eve. And we, we have this situation with God because God is holy and righteous. Uh, he is now at enmity with the world and with mankind. Mankind without Christ is in fact an enemy of God. They may not think they're enemies of God, but because of their sin there is this broken uh, broken relationship. They're at odds with God. They cannot be right with God, and that's it. And that's something that seems very strange to the world. And even many people who claim the name of Christ, who claim to be Christians, don't really believe that God is a God who is angry, or who is going to uh, going to to judge the world who has wrath against sin. They only want to think about God as as being a God who is loving and gracious and kind. And God is all of those things, but He's at the very same time also a God of wrath who brings judgment upon sin. As you go back into the Old Testament, you see that displayed many times and uh, communicated to the nation of Israel uh, in many ways, you remember when when Moses was on the mount uh, with God in, in Exodus uh, chapter 34. There, Moses had wanted to see God as He is, face to face, and God told him, "You can't see Me and live." And uh, God, you remember, hid Moses there in the cleft of the rock as He passed by, and uh, and God gave. Um, Moses, a, a declaration, a, a revelation concerning who he is. And it's repeated many times as you go through the, the Scripture. And it speaks about God as a, as a God who is loving and gracious and kind and merciful. Uh, but he also says he is a God who cannot, uh, who cannot pass over sins. Amen. Whereas he can't just look at us and say, you know, I really like, uh, you know, like that person. He's a, good, he's a good guy. He's a good neighbor to people around him. And he's, he's always doing things to try to help people. Uh, and he gives money uh, to you know, in the church. And he tries to, 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 to be a good person. And, and so I'll just overlook his sin. God cannot do that. His, the very character of God doesn't allow him to do that. And, and so we have this problem. And it's not just the God of the Old Testament that is a judge of sin. You, you read the New Testament, you realize it's the same God. You see a greater emphasis on God's grace because of the coming of, the, of, of Christ and uh, this, this offer of, uh, of salvation in Christ. But it's the same God. It's the same holy and righteous God. And in Romans 1, verse 18, for example, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And so there in Romans 1, he's talking about unbelievers who have some revelation of God, 
And the, the, the truth that they have about God, they, they suppress it. They push it down. They don't want to hear it. And they reject it. Uh, he, he goes on in, uh, in Romans 2, to, in verse 5, to say, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And there we have this um, imagery of some of storing up wealth. And normally, this imagery is used for you know someone who's uh, who, who's uh, you know he's working hard to build up wealth for himself, and he's like the he's like the the, the, the rich man you know who built more barns so he could put more things into his barn. He's just storing up more and more. Uh, but here, the imagery is storing up wrath. Unto the day of judgment. And he says it's because of your hard and impenitent heart. In other words, you're not willing to repent, not willing to turn to God. And so this is this is God uh, in his judgment, coming judgment upon uh, mankind without Christ. And that's that's some very you know bad news for the world. But what's even worse than that, there's nothing that man can do to be reconciled unto God. Amen. Uh, he, he's totally incapable of uh, appeasing God's wrath. He, he has nothing that he can do. He can, you know, all of his good deeds and his service, his giving of his self and time and your resources uh, are of no avail to be reconciled to God. Uh, if you think about the religions around the world, uh, the various efforts of religion is is usually you'll you'll see there's some something you must do to to be right with God or you know here in Africa the the, the idea of, of spirits and evil spirits and uh, the African traditional religions have the, the idea of you know things you must do offers to make or certain things in order to appease these spirits so that you're not you don't get sick or you don't die or that you're not having all the problems that you're having and and so around the world there's various forms of uh, this kind of worship uh, this kind of uh, religious effort to to be right with god or the spirits or whatever you view God to be there is this this ongoing effort and many times it's not just out there in the world it's it's in the church Amen. for people that uh, know about the Bible they know about God and they somehow think that if they can just be good enough do good enough serve enough that that will outweigh their sin and God will you know will uh, evaluate that and appreciate the good that they do and somehow that will make them right with God. And so we have this effort. But Christianity is different. Christianity says, doesn't say do, it says done. It says finished. Finished in Christ. It's in Him that we have forgiveness. It's in Him that we have this reconciliation. And so it brings us to not only the reality that we must be reconciled, but God has provided this reconciliation for us. What man could not do, God has done for us. And that's the good news, isn't it? That's the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ is that 
God has made a way for His righteous judgment of sin to be satisfied. He's removed the barrier between us and Him uh, so that we could be right with Him. We, that, that is in Christ. It's through the substitutionary death of Christ that that takes place. Notice verse 19, he says that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. In other words, it's in Christ. He is the means of uh, this reconciliation that God provides. And He gives uh, through Him uh, this forgiveness. You notice He says, not counting, or I think the old King James says, imputing. It's, it's this uh, math word, mathematical word that is used to talk about putting money into an account. It's put to that account. It's counted to that account. And so when we come to Christ for salvation, trusting in Him, God doesn't put to our account our sin. He forgives it. And that's what He means. They're not counting their trespasses against Him. The verse I didn't read, verse 21 uh, it goes beyond that to say, for our sake He made Him, speaking of Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And uh, in Romans, Paul will, t- will talk about the fact that not only are we forgiven and our sin is not put to our account, but the righteousness of Christ is put to our account. So we have this wonderful transaction that takes place where Christ, because He took upon Himself and died for our sins as our substitute, when we trust Him, He forgives us and doesn't put to, put to us our sin. But in place of that, He puts to our account the righteousness of Christ. Uh, what an incredible truth that is. So that one day when we stand before, before God, He's not seeing our righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ that's put to our account because of, of what Christ did for us. And so Christ is the means. When, uh, scripturally, we, we use the word propitiation. Uh, it's, it's a, I don't think I've ever hear that word used outside the context of the Bible. But propitiation just simply means that, that God is satisfied with the offer of Christ what was accomplished there on the cross, it satisfied the, 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 the righteous requirements of God's judgment upon sin, and so that God can be just and also justify the ungodly in Christ. Notice how he, how he words it in Romans 5. He talks about this means of reconciliation that's in Christ. Romans 5, verse 8 says, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received 
reconciliation. Uh, Paul says we can rejoice in that. Because we are, we are right with God. We've been reconciled unto God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, a third uh, important truth here is that uh, this reconciliation that's provided in Christ is not just automatically given to us. It must be received. Notice uh, verse uh, 20 again. He says, um, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That, that phrase there, be reconciled to God, is, a, is an imperative, a command. But it's a, it's a passive imperative, which is kind of unique. Um, it means that it's not something that we can do, but something we must receive. And so the reconciliation is something that God has provided, something He has done, and we must, we must receive it. We must turn from our self, our own sin and the dependence upon self, to trust in His provision for reconciliation. And so we could, we could ask the question this morning, and should ask the question, and I hope you've already uh, dealt with this question in your own heart, have you been reconciled unto God? Do you know this truth that we're talking about this morning? Do you know the, the peace of God that comes from a, a relationship with Him uh, in Christ? I'm uh, not, not asking, do, you know, have, are you doing things? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you, you, know, are you going to church? Not asking what you're doing. Uh, asking, have you trusted Christ? And his provision for you. Do you know this reconciliation that Paul is writing about? This uh, this peace that comes from being right with God, having a relationship with Him. Well, the second part of what Paul wants to highlight in this context is is not only the uh, the reconciliation that God gives, but the, the reconciliation that uh, he wants us to be part of. The, the ministry of reconciliation. And every, every one of these verses, verse 18, 19, 20, he's going to say it in a little different way. Notice verse 18, he says he's, he, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And then verse 19, he says he's entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. And then in verse 20, he says we are ambassadors. For Christ, and so you see this emphasis that uh, that word there in, um, in verse eighteen gave us the, the ministry. That's diakonia. It, it's the word we get we get the word deacon from. It, you know, speaking of service, it's a it's a ministry. It's a service that that's given to us, and so God is wants us to. Uh, he, he's ordained that that we would would serve Him uh, in this way in His work of re reconciling the world unto Himself. Um, and Oki is uh, it works with the school, um, the public school system here. I don't fully understand all of his work, but I would say he's a minister of reconciliation from what I understand. <laughs> That's not his title, 
but he goes to schools and help you know, involved in the process of trying to bring about resolution to you know conflicts and problems maybe between the school and the government or between headmasters and and teachers i'm not sure all, all that he's involved in but i know this he has this this work of of um of reconciling you know, of bringing about resolution to conflicts and so this is the work that god has given to each of us as his children uh, it, a very important point here is that those of us who have been reconciled become the ministers of reconciliation uh, see paul's not just talking about himself and his immediate colleagues uh, as apostles or those that are in the in the uh, as pastors he's talking about all of us uh, you know from verse 17 all of us who are in christ uh the ones that have been made new creature creations in christ jesus uh in verse 18 the us there that have been reconciled are the us who become ministers of reconciliation uh, so this is god's plan that that uh, each of of his children each one that's that's experienced this reconciliation are now are now to to serve god as his ambassador to a lost world around us to, to be a minister of reconciliation uh some time back i read you know i was reading reading looking at various um, uh, missionary organizations sending organizations to, and uh, this one called ambassador mission was uh, they were trying to do a good thing trying to recruit uh, people to go place you know different places around the world and help missionaries on the field and they're you know trying to trying to communicate that uh, it doesn't matter what your skill is god can use you um you know if you're if you're good with computers you know you're, you're needed on the on the mission field or if you you know, if you have administrative ability, uh, or whatever you know, whatever abilities you have, you don't have to be able to preach, um, you know, or or have you know that kind of ministry skill to be able to be used. And they make a statement: We believe God has gifted every individual on the earth in a unique way to bring Him glory and further His kingdom. That sounds good, but but I, when I read that, I said, Now wait a minute. Uh, not everybody is able to be an ambassador for Christ. You must first be in the kingdom before you can represent the kingdom of Christ. You must first have this, this right relationship with God. You must first have uh, been reconciled yourself unto to God before you can be an ambassador and represent Him. And so we as... We as God's children, those of us that have that have been saved, we, we know what it means to be reconciled unto God. It's unto us that God has given this ministry. And the last thing that he highlights here is the fact that uh, as ambassadors, we we speak for our king. We we represent him by speaking for him. We we represent his spiritual kingdom. God's kingdom is is not physical on the earth, but one day we believe it will be. We believe there's a, a literal thousand-year millennial kingdom of God that's coming to the earth. 
and that uh, it will be here on the earth in a physical way, but for now it's a spiritual kingdom. It's, it's seen in the church. It's represented in the church of Christ, the body of Christ that's, uh, that's on the earth now. And we represent Him not only by our actions, how we act and what we do, but by our words, the words that we speak on, on, on His behalf. And so you think about an ambassador. Um, that's what they do. They, they go to another kingdom or another country and they speak. They represent the king or the, the government from, from another country. Uh, notice verse 19. He's given us this message or logos of reconciliation. That logos, that word, the spoken word, is the Gospel. It's the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news of His death, His burial, and His resurrection that, that we by faith can be reconciled unto God and our sins forgiven. That's the message. And, and God wants us to, to speak that message, to speak that truth, to be His, His ambassadors for Him. It's a... It's an amazing truth and it's an amazing responsibility to speak for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I've often wondered why, why God didn't just send His angels, these created beings, mighty and powerful, uh, untiring, you know, uh, they to, to come and, and be His ambassadors, to come and speak the message of the Gospel. Can you imagine how powerful that would be? You know, If an angel came the way they often appeared in the Old Testament and, and at times in the New Testament as well, in glory, and came and proclaimed the message of the Gospel, proclaimed peace to those that would come to Christ, um, you wonder, why didn't God do that? Why did God choose to use us and all of our weakness and fallibility and problems that we have and our uh, you know being fearful and proud and you know self-centered and all the, all the problems that we have God chose to use us I remember one occasion reading you know we read in Acts 10 remember Cornelius and uh, uh it's an interesting story there. Right at the beginning of the church, and God is introducing to the Jews that the Gentiles are also to be included in the church. And Cornelius, a God-fearing Gentile in his household, uh, one day when, when Cornelius was praying, God basically allows him to see an angel in, his, in, his, in a vision coming to him and the angel didn't come and present the gospel to him. He comes, he comes to him and says, go and get Peter. <laughs> go and get Peter. And he lives at such and such a place and, and, and have him to come and talk to you. Isn't that something? Amen. And, and, and God does the same thing for Peter. He gives Peter a vision and tells Peter, don't call unclean what I've called clean. He does that three times with animals. And it's teaching Peter that no, these Gentiles, don't call the Gentiles unclean because they're to be in my kingdom as well. You know, he's, so he's preparing Peter. And so Peter travels this 60-some kilometers and um, the next day arrives 
See, so God orchestrated all of this so that Peter could preach the gospel. Peter could, could be an ambassador. And uh, he had the angel there, and he knew what to say, could have said it, but God wanted Peter, and God wants you, and He wants me to be the ones that communicate the gospel. And I. And I've wondered about that, and I, I believe the reason being is that we're the ones who have experienced reconciliation. Amen. We know what it's like to be lost and hopeless without Christ. Lost in our sin, without any, without any way of being reconciled to God, and experiencing the grace of God and the mercy of God, and uh, receiving salvation being reconciled to God. God wants us who have experienced that to be His voice, to be His messengers of the Gospel to those around us who are just like we were. We can, we can relate to them. We know, we know their situation. We were there. And we can tell them what God has done for us and what God wants to do for them. Well, in verse 20, we see that uh, this message that we are to communicate is it's not just information that we're to share. It's, a, it's an invitation. He says, we implore you. And, and that word implore sometimes is translated beg or beseech or pray earnestly. There's, a, there's an invitation there for people to, to come to God. And, and he also, we see there, in, um, in verse 20, that this invitation that we're to give, this, this word, uh, this message of reconciliation, is God's Word. Amen. And when we speak God's Word, God speaks through us. Uh, notice how He words it there. It's an amazing truth. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for God, God making His appeal through us. And so God wants to speak through us. So, so when we, we speak God's Word, we speak the truth of God's Word, we speak the Gospel, the truth of the Gospel of Christ, God is speaking through us and we are speaking on His behalf. Uh, notice he, he goes on to say, God making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so that is a, it's, it's an incredible truth. And we uh, oftentimes miss opportunities uh, to speak for Christ. Uh, you know, sometimes people come along and talk about the problems in the government and the you know, problems that we're having with this or that and whatever. And they say, what do you think? Or they, they want to hear your opinion. But the reality is our opinion doesn't matter one bit. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. All that matters in, in eternity is what God has said. In, in reality, those questions that people come with, those complaints they have, the only answer, the only real answer is in Christ. I mean, they might find some temporary answers to problems here on earth. There might be some political options for them. There might be some economic uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, issues that could be solved. You know, they, they might go to another country and, and, and get some relief from some of the troubles they have, but when they, when they get there, they realize there's more problems there too. 
the real answer to people's troubles, to our problems, is in Christ. And so we have the opportunity to turn people's thoughts to Christ. To not just you know, bemoan the situation with them or complain with them about how bad everything is, but to turn the conversation to the only hope that we have, and that's in Christ. And so, on a daily basis, many times, God gives us opportunities that we can speak for Him. It's, being ambassadors, not just you know, standing at the pulpit and you know, delivering a message, it's in our everyday conversation. It's the people around us. It's in our home with our children, with our husband or our wife. It's with our friends uh, that we associate with, that maybe we're in school with, or maybe we work with. It's all of those opportunities that God gives us. He, he's called us to be His ambassadors. He says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the message. And so this morning, as we think about that truth, we, we realize that, um, that many people have not accepted God's terms of peace. Uh, they're, they're trying to come to God some other way. Some way other than what God has declared. God has declared to us His terms of peace. You remember reading about uh, the World War II at the end when Japan surrendered. Uh, you know, the U.S. had dropped those atomic bombs on Japan, and uh, the emperor and his council realized that uh, uh, they have no they have no hope of survival if they don't surrender. And uh, the U.S., together with the Allies, had written up a declaration, a Potsdam Declaration of surrender, and what what surrender would look like. And uh, they they. You know, dealt with a lot of issues. Uh, didn't specifically declare what the, the status of the emperor would be, but one thing was for certain: there had to be a complete surrender. In other words, the emperor couldn't say, "Well, I'll, you know, I'll give you this, but I want to hold on to that, or I, I want to make this deal, or I want this power." No, there had to be an unconditional surrender. And many people come to, to God. And say, God, I want, I want the forgiveness, I want the salvation, but I want to, to on these terms. Or I want to hold on to this, this sovereignty. I want to be able to control this part of my life, and, and I'll give you that part of my life, or I'll do this, or I'll try salvation. No one ever comes to, to God like that. See, it's the Spirit of God who, who works in a person's life, who opens their, their heart and their mind to understand the truth of the Gospel. And that person comes to God, accept God's terms of peace, complete <coughs> surrender to Him, saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And there's nothing that I can do to appease Your wrath. There's nothing I can do to be reconciled with You. And I accept what Christ has done for me. Dying on the cross for me in my place so that I can be forgiven. Because salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone. There's nothing else. There's no other way. And so the person coming, turning from themselves, <coughs> trusting in their own idols of their heart and their own uh, abilities or anything they can do to the, turn from that to turn to God and trust in Him as the true and the living God. That's what Paul is 
is talking about here. And as believers, we've been given this great responsibility, this great privilege. If you're like me, you're, you're probably thinking, you know, I don't really feel qualified. We talked about um, U.S. ambassadors not being qualified, not having diplomatic experience or you know, necessarily ability to, to go and be an ambassador. Well, think about, think about how unqualified we are to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the truth is that none of us in our own strength and in our own ability are qualified Amen. or able uh, to be an ambassador for Christ. But God in His grace has made us qualified. He's enabled us by His grace. He's given us the Spirit of God to come and dwell within us. He's created us a new creation in Christ Jesus. And He's given us His Word. And He's given us His promise that He would be with us and help us. And so God has enabled us to serve Him, to speak for Him. And He has enabled us because He's brought us into His family. He's made us His children. And who better to represent the King than the children of the King? And that's who we are. Amen. By God's grace, we belong to Him. And we can go into the world this week and by the grace of God and the strength of God, we can represent Him. We can be His ambassadors. We can obey God's command that that we would uh, be His uh, ministers of reconciliation. Amen? Amen? Father, thank You for this truth from Your Word. Thank You, Lord, that uh, we can serve You. And by Your grace and strength and help You give us, Lord, we can serve as Your ambassadors here on this earth. Lord, there's, uh, there's a world around us that does not know Christ. They might know about Christ, but they are enemies of God. They're at enmity because of their sins never been forgiven. They've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and His provision for them. And so Father, I pray that we might go forth in Your strength and in Your wisdom and that we might be able to represent You here on the earth and that we might be able to speak for You as Your ambassadors. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.